Hello everyone, this is Caleb, your GM. A quick word before our show today. Starting with this session and extending into all sessions going forward, we're trying a new mechanic called Hero Points, which I think we renamed to Luck Points at some point. At any point, I as the GM can intervene and change the outcome of a situation in any way I choose. This is called the GM Intervention. When I do this, the player who is most affected gets a point where he can spend it any time to make someone re-roll in his favor. For example, if the monster rolls a critical fail against Thorin, I give Thorin a point and I make it so that the monster, instead of critically failing, hits him. This is a way for me to inject something maybe a little interesting or different in the game without being unfair for the players, giving them something to use in the future. We discussed this on our other podcast, Pathfinder Academy, somewhere in the final three episodes of the 200 series, so give them a listen to hear more about why I came up with this rule and how it worked out. Last time on Trailblazers, the party had been transported to the floating city of Gilgamesh by touching a page from the Black Book. There, they were told to touch it two more times to return home. After defeating a giant octopus, they touched the page and were again transported, but this time not only to another place, but to another time. They found themselves in the Empire's capital of Korhal, 20 years in the past, one year before Valerian usurped his father and took the throne. And this time, the clockworks haven't been produced yet, and the catfolk were still slaves. The party kept having visions, each time finding themselves weaker and weaker, losing a level each time. One of these visions depicted Setsuko killing lightning, and another showed the Lin Kuei engaging their plans to assassinate key targets of the Empire's leadership and sabotage the factories. All were successful, except the attempt on Valerian's life, as he had survived. The party had ascertained where the page from the Black Book is, as it's being sold by a man who calls himself Mr. Jolly, and the minimum bid is 1 million GP. The party sent a letter to Mr. Jolly telling him the truth in an attempt to get close to the page. Can the party manage to touch the page one more time? What will happen when they do? And what else could happen in the current time while they're away? Find out this week on Trailblazers! So, we pick up off where you had just... The vision just ended of all those assassinations. And you guys uh, are back on the floor. You just got a negative level. We counted that last time, so don't put it in your sheet now. But you just get it now. Um, you feel very weak. You ever ever had low blood sugar and you kind of shake a little bit? Yeah. You feel like that, but the shakes are not stopping, and you're on the floor, both of you, and, and, and your nose is like, it looks like it's just stopped bleeding. And we're on the floor in the bar? No, you're, in, the you're in your hotel room. Okay. And you, and you wonder how, how much blood can come out of your nose, because you've lost a lot so far. I suppose we only have so much of that stuff in us. Yeah, I think, we need, to, I think we need to get to that piece of paper. Agreed. But first, we have to kill Valerian. <laughs> oh, Gonna go back in time. Gonna go back in time. I give myself here uh, a sports almanac. <laughs> Just bet the game, stupid. Hey, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> You guys know that each vision you've had, you both had, so you can safely assume that you both just had that vision. Look at David, did you see that? Yeah. What are you thinking? I'm thinking somebody's getting beat up when I get back. If that really happened. I gave no order. Well, remember, this, this might be your future self giving the order. Maybe. Paradox. Do they have a car here that can go 88 miles an hour? <laughs> I say we just sit in this room and wait to die. <laughs> be better for everybody go hide we'll let everybody die rob everybody just, just watch everyone die and then rob them all while they're, while they're all dead if that guy doesn't answer our letter I'm thinking we might have to uh, aggressive negotiations <laughs> use other means until then I'm going to go have a drink 
and I find the the in the hotel is there a bar downstairs or a lobby? Sure. I go downstairs. David, and I find... uh, just be careful with your hands that close when you breathe out. It goes right into the mic. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like in my mask, though. So it's you know that 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 almost was. I'm wearing my mask now. <laughs> that is almost exactly the sound of. Uh, we, I was in the fire department. We had these helmets that had little microphones inside them, but they would activate when you're breathing. And when you're moving as a firefighter, you're exerting energy. So he's going, <gasps> going upstairs, stuff like that. So all you would hear is just a bunch of folks going, <laughs> a bunch of fat, overweight people who somehow got into the military. You, you, you were in the fire, fire department? I was. Wow. A brief amount of time. But let's play the game. Okay. All right. Yeah, we go downstairs to eat. All right. You, uh, Someone serves you, uh, and, and for whatever reason, uh, these cat folk are being treated a lot better. They're well, they're well dressed. No one's bothering them. For whatever reason, this owner just must be a nicer guy. Are they in suits too? They're not in suits. They're in. They're in. They're in. I'm sure there's a uniform for working work clothes. Uh, I find a corner to like sit in to watch the doors. Okay. And I just kind of, you know what? I I kind of just sit there and observe things and I wait for something interesting to happen. Game master. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you, hear, you hear a jet and napalm has dropped on you. Nice. Limitless world, limitless opportunities. I'm going to I'm going to sit and wait. Uh, you make a joke, but that's what you do every episode. Let me do let me do a thing and then just wait. It's true. It's sad. All right, Dave, what are you going to do? I'm eating. Okay, all right, cool. Should I roll? <laughs> oh, you rolled the one. You missed your mouth. You just threw that right over your shoulder. I rolled a 20. Does that mean I found a cat hair? Right into Seabass's burger. Got very upset. Nice. Kick his butt, Seabass. You guys eat your, your, your dinner, and then nothing interesting happens after you have eaten your dinner. What time is it? Dinner time. Dinner. What's <laughs> interesting. What's his name? Because we're always asking you what what the names are. So I he does not have a weak spot. Yes, a dragon could fit in the room. Could okay. a dragon fit in the hotel? Yep. Okay. Um, you know, I'm going to go out for a walk. I look at David. I think I'm going to go for a walk. Just in the general neighborhood of the hotel. All right, I'll go with you. I forgot. You guys, I think I think you, you pointed, I think you pointedly said, I want to go to a nice hotel, right? Yeah. I remember. Yes. Just so I know what area of town you're in. I remembered a nice hotel. Okay. Um, Hopefully not too far from the guy's place. They're like, why is Valerian on these coins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wilson, sir, here at the Holiday Inn Express, we accept all forms of payment. Welcome to the nice hotel. Um, uh, you see, you see this, the, uh, the sign Bates over the uh, hotel? Seriously? No. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah. You guys taking a walk. Um, it's Valerian's coins have... Fifteen percent less gold in them. <laughs> you taking a walk? Uh, yeah, but ten percent more hellhound. Uh, <laughs> as you guys are out taking a walk, you see uh, the nightlife's a little different in this time than it was. At least David, you're noticing this. This is really like your first time in, in the capital, I think. There, Thorn. Um, if not one of the few times. Second time, but the first time I own the only two spots I went were the front gate and the palace. Okay, so. Um, it's uh, it's it's a little bit different there, David. The nightlife, uh, it was hustling and bustling. Uh, here, you see, like, people are staying. It's almost like uh, 
they're afraid to come out. And you see uh, occasionally cops uh, just kind of sit in the corner talking to each other, which is interesting, not necessarily something you saw in the past. There was more, like, patrols and stuff, but, uh, of course, there was always clockwork with them. Cops are just kind of just shooting the stuff? Yep. Uh, you come across a, a cage that houses a cat folk slave, and he's sleeping out there kind of like you would have a dog house, mm-hmm. except for this cat folk slave. But it's not like a commonplace thing. It's just something you happen to come across in one of the places. Front front of the guy's property? Behind. Behind it. Through some alleyways and stuff. A little cage out there where he's sleeping. Um, aside from that, nothing remarkable. David, what would you like uh, to do? I know what we could do. We go take a leisurely stroll past the uh, auction house. Okay. Just to see what the night time yeah, yeah. security looks like. Right. So you go there. There is about perhaps the same amount of um, troops on the ground, but you see everything's lit up. There's light everywhere, uh, very unnaturally bright all around the building. Sort of like a football field? You think his neighbors must hate him. So, yes, sort of like a football field. It's, it's very bright. Obviously, you don't even need to run any rolls. Someone has cast some sort of light spell, like daylight. Oh, that won't be easy. Unless you have blink. And when was the auction again? How far away were we from the actual auction? Mm. I forget. I think it was a couple days. I can fly? <laughs> fly in there and get the paper. Oh, no. If only we had come with some security in case people could fly. No, but literally, I, I have a spell. I can fly. I forgot I had that. Oh, so it won't matter if we do it at night or in the day, clearly. The rock guy's not there. That means anything. It's a different guy. Rock guy must be asleep. So he looks uh, human, but his uh, his arms are a little bit reddish for some reason. Bad sunburn. I told him, stay out of the sun. <laughs> if only David brought a sunscreen with him for this world. So what do you think? Do we wait another day? Or do we force the issue? You know, I think that we should open up a factory and produce a sunscreen, SPF Valerian. And so that every time he goes all red hulkish and flaming, people are prepared. That's obviously what happened to this guy. Obviously. Uh, I would... It's been one day. So he's probably still thinking about it. It's not even the middle of the night yet. And all these things tend to happen in the middle of the night. If they're going to do anything at all. I would give it till the morning. Or I guess give it till tomorrow night. We don't want to fight the rock guy. Uh, that's true. But I don't know if... I mean, I'm not sure exactly if I want to cast my dice with the red arm guy either. Look at Caleb's face. What? <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. The rock guy I doesn't got bleed. time to bleed. All right, then. Let's give it till tomorrow. All right, you guys go to bed? Um, yeah. No? No, I'm just getting my spells ready for the next day, that's all. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, you are awoken by the sound of screaming from the sky. It's uh, the day. It's early morning. I look out my window. You see a dragon, a great big black dragon flying to the palace. To the palace. Yep, and it's got an undead rider on its back. palace and you see it going through a massive window and it vanishes inside the palace I look at David you take care of that in the future right 
You were raised by a dragon. Why are you upset? I was raised by a dragon who didn't have undead riders on him. Sure. Well, the 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 kingdom has a deal worked out with them, so it's not that unusual to see that. You you know what this means, though, right? What's that? It means Jaren is alive, and we can go steal one of the arrows and make copies. You're saying you did it once before. Dragons are no problem, obviously, Caleb. So obviously, easiest easiest beast in the beast, Jerry. What do you do? Morning. How early? Just like seven a.m. Oh my gosh! Crack 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 a dawn, right? Yes. Okay. Does it change? Let me hear what different thing you would have done if it was a different time. I'm ready, Dom. I'm listening. Is this gonna be on tape? If it was, if it was, if it was later, I probably would have gotten dressed a lot faster. Okay. Okay. Glad we Uh made this point, Joshua. I go downstairs and ask if we received any messages. A guy look. uh, He looks up at you and says, uh, uh, "No, no, you didn't. Sorry." Were you expecting something? Yeah, remember we told him we were expecting. Oh, did something. you? Oh, oh yeah, you we gave even, you gave him a lot of money. money. Yeah. yeah, he goes, uh, goes, uh, sorry, sir, uh, nothing is coming yet, but I have been vigilant. Okay, so how do you want to go about this? I could fly us over overhead. We can take a look at the roof. We could check out the back. We did. We forgot to look at the back of the building, if there was a back of the building. Or we could try to go in through the sewers because it obviously looks like a fortified complex. We can see if there's a sewer. <laughs> In comes a, uh, a, um, an elf, maybe half-elf, you're not sure, and he's got, like, stuff on that you would imagine a gardener would have, gloves and stuff like that, and he's coming in from, uh, obviously working on the property, and he takes his gloves, put them on the counter, orders a drink, that sort of thing. You know what? I go sit down next to him. David, as you see him go down, you see, look at the glove, kind of on, on your, your periphery vision, and the glove is Freddy's glove. And when you look at it, like, out of your provision, directly look at it, it's back to being a normal gardener's glove. The guy looks at you, Thorn, and goes, Sir? And I speak to him in Elvish, Good morning. No, morning. Uh, How are you today? I'm okay, I'm okay. That's good. Something I can do for you? You know, I've been traveling for so long, I, I... I don't get to talk to a lot of people, and so sometimes I just try to sit down and get the lay of the land from people. Oh. Uh, sure, how can I help? Um, I was wondering uh, what, what district of the city this is. I mean, you, you, look, uh, you look like you work, you work and live around here, so I was, fig- I was wondering if, if there's any spots that I should take note of while I'm here. Well, if you're around here, you're not going to get much of life. This is a, kind of a big, heavy residential area. Okay. Go towards more of the center of the city. That's where most of the tourists go. If you got coin to spend there, you can spend it. Okay. Okay, thank you. If you're um, looking for some uh, more, um, some stuff you might keep to yourself to do, go uh, over to the west side of the city. West side of the city? Yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm TH, and I shake, and I extend my hand. Hey, TH. My name is Thalmos. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, I don't know if anything's happening today, but check back every once in a while. Stuff happens at the Coliseum, too. That's always a lot of fun. The Coliseum? I've, I've heard tales of it. Oh, man, you can't miss it. You go near Center City, right next to the palace. So what do you do, Thomas? No, I'm a gardener. Oh, where at? <laughs> Everywhere. People hire me out. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm uh, finishing up a gig I'm doing over at this uh, guy's house. You ever heard of Mr. Jolly? 
Oh yeah, I, I have heard of, I've I've heard the name. I don't know much about him, but I've heard the name. Yeah, I'll get in the place all nice for him. He's having some sort of thing going on. Oh, beautiful. Still Just working on it? There. Oh yeah, I'm finished up. Should be done in a couple hours. Oh, beautiful. Just taking taking some time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, don't work blame out you. in the sun in the middle of summer too much. I don't blame you. I, I, uh, I, I used to do a little bit of nature grooming myself. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I kept a garden back home. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Well, thank you, sir, very much. I'll I'll make sure to check out the Coliseum. Hey, no problem. Enjoy your stay here, man. You as well. One of the greatest places on earth. Y you think so? Hey, listen, it's a, a place where. Uh, Two people who had a whole great, a bunch of differences somehow came together and built this magnificent place. <laughs> Elves and humans came together and look what we made. We'll find anything else like it on the planet. Who knows what the future holds? That's right. Good day. And I get up and I walk away. See you later, friend. Uh, I go and I inform David. I was going to say, because I don't speak that language, so I wouldn't have understood the conversation. He appears to be working at Mr. Jolly's house. Hmm. That's interesting. Maybe we should see if he needs any uh, assistance. We could ask. Nothing wrong with that. I assume if he's the gardener, he's on the grounds. Agreed. How do you want to go about doing it? You want me to just go and ask him if he needs help? Yeah, ask him if we can have a day's work with him. Okay. Uh, I approach him again. Oh, hey, again. Hey, Thomas. I, I hate to ask this. This is kind of embarrassing, actually. Um, and I don't have most of my stuff on, by the way. I, just just the basic. Okay. Not not my gear. I uh, I find myself short of some money, and I was wondering if you were looking at hiring for a day's worth of work. I'll make a diplomacy check. Uh, twenty-four, mate. Day's worth of work. Uh, well, you know, I could use you uh, to finish up at this Mr. Jolly's house. He, he likes things being done perfect, and uh, and if I can get it done sooner rather than later. I'll probably be pretty happy. Might give me a little bonus or something. Uh, and you said you did this stuff before, at least as a hobby, right? A little bit as a hobby, yeah. I can give you a day's worth of work, yeah. Okay, thank you, sir. We'll leave in, uh, can you be ready in 10 minutes? Uh, absolutely. All right, well, I'll see you in 10 minutes. Meet me here. See you then. I, I go, I walk to David, and I walk upstairs with him real quick. Should I leave my stuff here, or should we, should we leave our stuff here? Or well, bring it to the property with us? He only hired you, so... It's true. What I do is I put all my gear on, okay. and then I take all your gear, and it's in like a bag or whatever. Sure. And I have it with me, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to shadow you guys. But just look for, you know what to look for. Look for an opportunity. Because mm -hmm. remember, we found out last time we don't have to be together. In order to do it. Yeah, so if you... Really, all you're looking for is a weak spot in, but if you got an opportunity to actually do it, do it. And, uh, but I'll be there with all your gear, and I'll obviously have all my gear on. So I'll be there if anything goes wrong, well, it'll go down. Yes, that's my plan. I'm just going to shadow them after okay. they leave. I have my clothes on. I have my, my tree cloak with me. Well, thank goodness you have your clothes on. Excited about that. I know. It's so amazing, isn't it? Uh, I leave most of my stuff with David, except for my cloak. Okay. And uh, my water skin. You meet Mr. Thalmos, and, and he uh, and he takes you off. You go off on a little cart, and it's got all sorts of tools and things in it. And you go up to the gates of Mr. Jolly's house, and there is, uh, what was his name? I forget. I don't think he had a name, but the rock guy. Mm -hmm. He comes up, and he's like, oh, Mr. Thalmos. And 
Mr. Thalamus nods and he goes, John! John McGee! John! And this guy comes down and he's like, uh, I, I keep my, my, uh, never mind, go ahead. Keep your pants on, keep your pants on. And he goes over and he takes out a key and he unlocks the gate and opens it up. Um, I, can I retcon something real quick? I'm sorry. Sure. I keep my face wrapped in something. I get like a simple wrap. Okay. Uh, then we're gonna have to go back for a second when you meet Thelmos. He's like, "Why is your face wrapped?" <laughs> no, it's like on, on my neck and covering the, the top of my head. It's like wrapped around my head. You know how what gardeners wear? Oh, you mean a bandana? Kind of like that, yeah. So you have a bandana on your head. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. All right, so you are you're let in, and your little cart goes through, and the door's gate is closed behind you and locked. And David, you see them no more. I was going to ask, uh, split the around, party. around the house. Yeah. Well, not split the party. I'm right here. We, uh, there's only a wall of people and a there, physical wall between us. Is there buildings around it? Yes. Uh, and, and they're obviously very high end cause they all have yards, which most places inside the pal, uh, the walls of Coral do not have yards. All right. I look for a spot to see if there's a way to climb up on a roof. Interesting. Uh, make a perception check. 57. <laughs> you fly to the moon and fall down right on the paper. Perception. 20. 20. Uh, you see um, the best spot to climb up is this drain pipe for the water uh, in, in the building uh, next to it. If you're looking at, the, at Mr. Jolly's house to the left. Uh, but you think it would be uh, quite difficult to do it unseen. Especially with all the stuff you have. In other words, you'd have to tie a very high stealth check. Muted, Dom. Do you have that, David? I know. All right, yeah, I kind of take Yeah, a you peek talked around. with it muted. I take a peek around, and then uh, I give it a shot. Okay. Nice. To 32. Oh, uh, wow, okay. I'm like a ninja. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, All your time in the north, you've learned some things. You, you get up there pretty silently, and, and when you get up there, you, you stay low, and you look kind of like it's a... It's um, it's a flat roof, and it's got like a little ledge at the end, so you can kind of like peek over it, and you look around, you know just where to look for people who might see you, and they don't seem to be reacting. All right, Dom. Yes. You're in the gardening area, and uh, and you get out and you start working, and you're you're clipping a lot of hedges, and there's this beautiful hedges all around. They're shaped of different animals and different things. Like there's like a little pond. It's very very nice, but there's not a lot of property, so there's not a ton of it. Mm-hmm. And so he has uh, some old tool, tools, gardener's tools, and he's trying to, to clean things up. Edging out the pathway stones. I'm, I'm working with it, but while I'm working, I'm also keeping my ear out for anything the guards are saying. Mm-hmm. Looking for, as I'm like mowing the lawn or trimming the hedges or whatever, I'm looking for other entrances to the house and Reception the property. Check. I have a 24. Okay. As, as, as way as other entrances go, there's not much else to get around the wall. And... Even so, even when there's not entrances, you see there's guards and things posted. As well as you notice, you see one guy being talked about, and, and from the things you can hear being uh, said about him, he seems to be a courier of some kind, and, and he and he leaves from the house. David, you notice a courier uh, uh, come out of the gates and start heading down the road. All right, I slide down the drain pipe and follow. Stealth check. 58. That's funnier the second time. He's sitting on the guy's head. 
<laughs> as he's running to the location. <laughs> like Dragon 20. Ball Z, where Goku's on top of Nappa's head. <laughs> 29. All right. You think you, you think you do it without being noticed. You start following the guy, and the guy goes to uh, your bar. Okay, but I uh, I just stay outside and move away and let him okay. go in and out. A couple minutes later, he leaves. All right, I stroll in very uh, nonchalant, <laughs> as if I'm going to walk right by the guy who I'm waiting. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, Mr. Uh, uh, um, sir. Yes. Uh, a letter just came for you. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and he uh, hands it to you. And you open it up, and it's like a well-sealed package, and you see it's official from Mr. Jolly, and you open it up, and it's just a, a pile of poop, and it says, go F yourself. No, uh, you take it, and you, and you open it up in the letter, and, and it says, um, did, you, did you sign it, your, your name, the letter you gave to Mr. Jolly? Yeah. You signed it Oroku Saki? No. Uh, David. You signed it David? Mr. David and Associate. Mr. Jolly... Uh, would be pleased to meet with you between the hours of yada yada. I'll say, because they, they don't actually have like time. It was like five and seven. No one said that in medieval time. See, it's seven o'clock. It's um, after the sun is at its highest point and before sundown. At your convenience, one time offer. I hope your day is a delightful one. In the name of Mr. Jolly. Okay, I go outside. Uh, is the sun at its highest point yet? Uh, it probably happened in a couple hours. Oh, okay. I go back over to the house. Okay. Find a decent spot to wait. I'm going to wait on, try to wait on Thorin. Hopefully they get done before right. I have to do that. Thorin, you're, you're working and, um... Getting blisters on my hands for once. <laughs> and, uh, and you do your job. And since it's the two of you, you get it done at a reasonable amount of time. Uh, maybe like one o'clock, two o'clock. Um, and, uh, you know, as you go, uh, let's see, uh, anything else you might've gleaned, uh, security's tight. There's a lot of guys around, uh, still you would be surprised that something this valuable would have this little security. It's still not a ton of security for some reason. Um, you imagine his daily security couldn't be too much bigger than this or too much uh, smaller than this. Um, and you're given, uh, uh, the wages of, uh, 15 gold pieces. And, uh, and and you uh, you you exited out, escorted out with Mr. Uh, Thalmos. I look at Thalmos. I do truly appreciate this, sir. Thank you. Ain't no problem. Uh, you're a good worker. Actually, roll d20. I'll see how good a worker you are. <laughs> <laughs> and what am I adding? If I doubt you have profession gardener, so nothing. I I would like to make a case for something. First, just tell me your roll. Nine. Okay, what's your case? My case is that I, I lived in the north for a long time. Uh-huh. And that I got to know nature a lot, and I got to see how nature works, and how things grow and bloom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'd like to argue for a plus. You want a plus five. I would like to try to argue for a plus for five. For just observing that nature exists and happens. That how it works and how it exists. You've, you've, you've observed magical nature. <laughs> but Fae magic. But it, it still grows. I'll give you a plus one. Make it an even ten. So the guy says, uh, "It's okay. Um, I I appreciate you helping." And he uh, he ends it there. Uh, I look at him. Any any advice for my own personal garden? Yeah. Next time you uh, dig a hole, don't dig it on top of a flower. I don't think that sunflower will ever grow again. 
I'll try to remember that. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Uh, thank you, Mr. TH. I hope I, you have a good day. You as well. Enjoy, enjoy the city. I run off. I'm, I said, I'm going to try to get to the Coliseum before I leave. Definitely should. Hey, Erg Drog. What class did you just come from? Pathfinder 102. Skills detail. With professors Caleb and Christian? I remember that class. Hey, listen, whatever the question is, the answer is perception. Those guys have a boner for that skill check. Erdrog not need perception. Erdrog not need to perceive someone to hit them with an axe. Today in gym class. Erdrog, please report to the principal's office. Erdrog to the principal's office. Power attack slice off there. That extra four damage. My strip mod's better than his. Do you know why you're here, Ergdrug? Ergdrug, you tried to sunder the gym teacher. He walked into my threatened square. He invoked an attack of opportunity. You only invoke an attack of opportunity when you leave a threatened square, Ergdrug. And you can't even sunder a person. You can only sunder objects. Do we have to send you back to Pathfinder 101? What? With professors Caleb and Christian, who teach new and experienced players everything about Pathfinder? Yes, their classes help everyone to be a better player. If you like Pathfinder, you'll love their classes. Now, I want you to go back through 101, Basic Mechanics, and 103, Combat Detailed with Weapons, okay? Are you kidding me? Erdrog love those classes! Can't wait to take again. Hey, hey, no run actions in the hall! Pathfinder Academy, teaching you everything you need to know about the Pathfinder RPG. Every Thursday, here on the Trailblazer Network. See you in class. All right, you meet together, and David, you tell him. Yes. I give him his gear, and then uh, we go to the gate. So I do get cleaned up first. About to say, Thorin makes something painfully obvious to you. You haven't taken a bath and you fought a uh, octopus creature and salt water and you actually a little bit rank oh man but we have to be quick about it okay we you know, go got like a minus five to your stealth rolls because you're just smell you smell you a mile away good thing you weren't downwind right, there's so literally rules in the book for downwind and upwind and i'm not insane so i don't use them because whenever i make my worlds i make sure to make each day a different direction from the wind just in case we make a we make a quick stop at the bathhouse sweet but we don't dilly-dally. You do it, you're clean, it's cool. Is this, oh no, that's way up, way up north. Never mind, okay. I we promise you don't see any more catfolk dick. And then we go to the, to the gate. Alright. Uh, guy's like, oh, back away, you're too close. Uh, we need to speak to John. Uh, uh, back away. Alright, back away. Uh, stay there. You don't come closer. John! 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 I'm coming, I'm coming. I think that's the favorite, my favorite sound effect you've made in, in how, how many episodes have we gone through now? This is like 33 or something. 33? In all 33 episodes, that must be my favorite sound this effect. This is 38. John comes down and he's like, uh, what is it? What is it? I hand him the letter. You're close. I'll give it to him. All right. I hand over the letter. John. John, this is from them, John. 
And he picks up and goes, uh, so you are Mr. David? Yes. I see. And you are? Associate. Mr. T.H. Yeah, Associate. Very good. All right. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, uh, please give uh, Belmar your equipment. And weapons of all kinds. I do so. He, he like turns around and gives a big like potato sack. Ugh. What are we here? I give him John, my... am I doing it right, John? <laughs> yes, yes, you're doing it fine, Burmar. I give him my gun and my bow. Do I think that they're going to search me? I don't know. Do you? The frick like I'm in your mind? I'm not Freddy. No, I can't get your I, head. I have, a, I have a question about how the kukri works to summon it to my hand. Okay, what kind of... What's, what's the special thing on it that makes you say that? Oh, never mind. That's right. That was the other guy. Never mind. We're good. I drop everything in the bag. Okay, and he, and he asks for all your equipment, your backpack, too. Okay. I leave my. I keep my cloak on though. Okay. Okay. All right. Same thing. You keep your boots and cape, uh, David. If they don't say anything. Uh, are you gonna try or not? My question. I hand over my cape, but I keep my boots on just for the fact that I don't have other boots. Okay. Hey, where'd my cloak go? They uh um they seem to say nothing about your boots and 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 and, and John says please follow me. Uh and uh your equipment is kept outside the gate. And you are Out, outside in the in the on the street, right with Burmar, okay, or whatever his name was, uh, Belmar. Of course, I named him after sitting near us. Uh, he, he goes. Uh, you guys go up a nice little path and into a doorway, and you go into a mansion. And inside this mansion, the very first thing that catches your eye is reflections, reflections everywhere, because the floor is entirely composed of a mirror. And David, hmm. in the mirror, you see somebody behind you. It looks like Freddy. And you turn around, and he's not there. You look back, and the reflection does not show Freddy. I think someone has PTSD. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and John goes, uh, are you quite all right? Yeah, sorry. I thought I saw something. These mirrors are a little... Oh yes, you'll you'll soon find out uh, why we're here. Um, is I'm sure. Just wait, just a moment. Uh, yeah, and he and he leaves you, without saying goodbye, without giving you instructions, and you're just in this empty vestibule. Okay. What do you do? I take a walk over to one of the candlesticks that's sitting on the wall, and I touch it, and it, and it breaks off, and I shove it in like the umbrella holder. <laughs> <laughs> that's oddly specific. Like, it makes that loud noise when it breaks, like, echoes through the house. Yeah. And so I kind of just, like, shove it in the umbrella holder. Stealth and check. Kinda... Uh, no, one, no one caught me. Uh. <laughs> you hear it sounds like glass breaking, but in reverse. And from the ground forms pieces of glass that form into what looks like a woman. Almost like a silver surfer-looking person. Covered in, like, almost like they've coated in mercury. It is a good thing we didn't break into this place. And the person appears and goes, um... Hello, I am Wilma. I will be taking you to Mr. Jolly. Please follow me. Hello, Wilma. And she just falls backwards. Like, she's perfectly straight. Falls backwards. Almost like a plank. Shatters, and the pieces of shatter fall into, like, just sink. Almost like a, a rock would sink in mud. Just sink into the glass. And then you're, you hear the same reverse sound of a uh, reverse glass breaking up on the top of the stairs. Just for you. And just like 
just like she fell the opposite she came very impossibly horizontal to vertical so we i guess we walk up the stairs yeah go up you're walking on glass so it feels a little weird but after a bit you get confident that you're not going to break it and uh and, and she leads you down a hallway and down another hallway and and she uh while she's doing this i'm trying to keep track of where we're going okay and she opens uh, up a door, and she constantly, she doesn't walk. She just falls, breaks, and then reforms wherever she wants you to go. And then um, she goes right this way, and she gestures at a door, falls forward, and then you can hear from inside the room her reform. You open up the door, I take it? Yeah. And uh, you see a guy who's uh, a bit portly, and he's got this massive mustache that, like, goes out to his shoulders. It's very, very long. And he's like, hello, my name is Joseph Ollie, but you can call me Mr. Jolly. So good to see you, Mr. David, I presume. Yes, and I uh, hold out my hand to shake his hand. Oh, and he kind of puts his hands up and he goes, mm, and he goes over, he pulls out a, a handkerchief from his drawer and then shakes your hand with a handkerchief in between your hand and his hand. And goes, pleased to meet you. Ah. And Mr. Associate, pleased to meet you as well. A pleasure. Thank you for uh, taking the time to meet with us. I'm sure you're a very busy man. Oh, well, I am very busy, but you had a very interesting letter. Please do call me Mr. Jolly. No need for formalities here. Not sure why people call me Mr. Jolly. Maybe it's because I'm always so happy. It would be gregacious. I think at this point, Caleb's made an NPC, which is going to be difficult to maintain this level of excitement throughout the entire session. He's immediately regretting this decision. So I see you uh, received my letter. I did. Very interesting. Time travelers, now that's a bit unique. You have no idea. Mm, now I do have to say, I do see some holes in your little concocted story, but I am very interested in why you would lie to come meet me. I look at Dave and I look back at Mr. Jolly. What holes may I inquire, sir? Oh, let's not be so rude. You know the ruse is up. No need to keep it going. Well, as you say. Normally I would agree with your assumption, because it does sound quite fantastical. But um, if you know what it is you have, then it shouldn't sound so strange. Well, you see, Mr. David, do you mind if I call you Mr. David? Is how you wrote the letter to me. Sure. Do you have a preferred name? You could just call me David. Okay, David. You can call me Mr. Jolly. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this. You see, Mr. David, uh, David, no one can travel back in time. There are some powerful artifacts that can push you forward in time, but reverse time travel is quite impossible, even for something quite as powerful as this artifact. You would have done better to say you were from the past. Well, I couldn't say that because it's not true. Hmm... You're really going to keep with the story, then, that you're from the future. Mr. Jolly, if I may, summon any mage and have them cast a zone of truth, if you mm. so wish. 
I don't. You see, if you are telling the truth, which maybe you are, you seem quite confident. That makes this thing very interesting. I'm not sure if there's anything else in existence that can send someone back. Tell me, what was it like? Well, to be honest, it was kind of seamless. We weren't even aware that we were back in time until we arrived here. Hmm. I'm so from the Empire 20 years from now. What are things like? Who's in charge? Things are interesting, to say the least. I don't know a lot about time travel, but I don't think telling you that is a good idea. That's fine. I'd probably get bored about two minutes into the story anyway. I like to see exciting things and exciting people, and people who tell stories generally are not very exciting. Wouldn't you agree? So if you think we're lying, why did you agree to meet with us? Because it was crazy. I thought it'd be so nice to meet you. So let's say you are telling the truth. You seem quite convinced either you're telling the truth lying or absolutely nuts. Just crazy nerd ballers. So tell me, what is it you would like me to do? You said in your letter, you simply want to examine the object. Touch it, you said. Yes. Um, I believe if we are able to see it and touch it it would send us back hmm. and of course you, you would still have it so you don't even lose it you see that's where I think I might see a difference with you yet another hole in your little story you say you touched it and then you went back in time when it's back in time too so there would only come to be a logical conclusion if you touched it again you would jump forward or back in time and so would it and I wouldn't have my moneymaker. Then, of course, everyone does tell me my face is my moneymaker. That's not necessarily true. Every time we've traveled with it, we haven't actually seen it go anywhere. And needless to say, I'm sure it's existed through all this time. I'm not keen on taking the chance. Tell you what, though, if you buy it, it's all yours. We are having an auction, don't you know? I'm sure that's how you heard about this entire possession of it from me. That wasn't a proper sentence, but I don't really care. Because I'm crazy, can't you see? Well, the price you're asking is uh, a little rich for our blood. Oh, then you seem to be a crap out of luck. Not necessarily. Mm. If we are from the future then it stands to reason that we know what will happen. Okay. Oh, but what do you have in mind? We tell you a single event that will happen mm -hmm. in any field of your choosing, in any topic, and we will tell you what's going to happen, and then you let us see the document. Would you be willing to sign a contract? Of course. Very good. Uh, Wilma, could you please go into the library? Draft up what the young man said word for word. Do you remember what he said, Wilma? I do. Thank you. Please do it as quick as possible. I do have so many things to do today. And I'm beginning to get bored. And she falls on the ground. I find it interesting. You found this uh, black book and you touched it and, and here you come now to be with me. What was your purpose? What were you trying to do? I'm so excited to learn. It was interesting, wasn't it? Yes. What were you trying to do? Don't keep me waiting. We were trying to move 
between worlds, not time. Ooh, exciting. Why would you want to go between worlds? Is there treasure somewhere? Ooh. Well, I think that's a... You said you don't... You get bored in the stories. That's a very long story. Oh, let's then just say. spare me. I will. Wilma comes back. And she is a paper with her. She's to come through the floor with her. She puts down the desk, and it says... Um, uh, pretty much almost word for word what Thorin just said. For a piece of information of his choosing and his field, he will let you see the uh, um, the document. The black, the page of the black book. Get specific. That, that way there's not like a loophole word. Oh, I, here's the object. You no, know, it says a page from the black book. And it, it says, says they touch get to it. See it. Touch it. You see, it says see it. Now this needs to say touch it. Well, that's not what your friend just said, Mr. Associates, and see it. Seeing it doesn't help us. Oh, I do hate when things get changed so suddenly. I was quite excited before. Now this contract warns me. Take it away, Wilma. I don't want to see it again. She takes it and disappears on the floor. Well, I'm not interested in letting you touch it. I want to keep it. I'll let you see it, though. Same room with it? You know what? I do have an idea. Let me bounce this one off that dome of yours, that pretty, pretty little dome, sitting atop your eyes. How about this? I'm selling it to the highest bidder. He buys it, and then, then, and then, and then, he does whatever he's going to do, and I have to give it to him, and that's the most vulnerable moment, don't you know? Here's what I say you do. You take it, you steal it, you touch it, you do what you want to do, and if it's left by, I'll reacquire and resell it, make double the profit, don't you see? You get what you want, I get what I want. How does that one sound? Then simply make us the official handlers afterward. That once you no, I can't have it seen that obviously I tampered with everything. You're going to have to do this one on your own. Might give you a little bit of support. I can get you into the auction. Maybe there you can do something. But I must treat you as blackguards, people I don't know. Villains, even. If I catch you, I'm going to have to discipline you. I look at David. Man, he's lucky they took my gun. Uh, I suppose then it means nothing to you that what you're selling is quite dangerous and isn't even yours to sell. Well, it doesn't. It belongs mean, to me. It means something that it's dangerous. That's why I'm storing it off site, don't you know? And it is not to belong to you. It will belong to you, but right now it belongs to me. Is it time travel fun? We agree. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get you into the auction, okay? You're going to watch the bidding, see who wins the bid, and then oh, we're going to take it out of its container. Wilma will be the one moving it, and then you're going to have to take it from them or take it in mid-transportation. I'm not really sure. Just make me a deal that when you do touch it, it's somewhere near one of my men and not somewhere near someone else's. Since Wilma's the one carrying it, perhaps if you steal it from her, just don't kill her. Fine, then we need to get in with our equipment. That can be arranged. Agreed, then. So be we, it. We have a bargain. We have a great deal. If you do betray me, I will slice off your tongues and then feed them to the other person. And it'll be fun chewing without a tongue. I'll let you live, though. I'm not a murderer, don't you know? Good, we have a great accord. I like to drink when I make my deals. Wilma, could you get us a drink, Wilma? Thank you, Wilma. Wilma comes back. She has some drinks. She goes, mm, do a deal well made, gentlemen. 
And he holds out his glass to bang it against yours. I bang it, but I do not drink. I, I say, regrettably, I do not partake, but... What a silly convention you have. And he drinks it down. Dude? Yeah, I drink it. Alright, it's good old whiskey on the rocks. Kind of an interesting thing to, to do a little agreement with, but it is. That's why they call him Jolly. Or it's because his name is John Ollie. Or John uh, what I call him? James? Joshua? John. John Ollie. Tomorrow, I'm going to have several visitors over for the auction, okay? You make sure to arrive as well, okay? And he, and he, and he goes, uh, Well, no, would you get them some invitations? Oh, uh, you know, verified ones. And Wilma leaves, and she comes back, and she hands you some uh, invitations. They look different, quite different. And he goes, You present these, they'll think you're like anyone else. You can pretend to make bids, but be sure not to win, because if you can't pay, oh, it will be very bad for you. So you can just be there to keep your little cover, of course. And then you steal it for me. Very good. I hope to see you tomorrow, and then I hope to never see you again, but still see the piece of paper. Okay. Agreed. Thank you, Mr. David. Thank you, Mr. Associate. You can go now if you want. Very well. Well, no, you show them out, please. And she leads you out much the same way she let you you in. On our way out, uh, before Wilma leaves, I look at her and I tell her, I must say, Miss Wilma, I don't believe I've met anyone quite like you. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you, Mr. Associate. <laughs> um, I look at her. You might be surprised what the future holds. She nods and, and lets you out. And I keep on going. All right. And you're let out and you're, uh, and you're giving back your stuff by um, the guy's name I already forgot. Belmar. Uh, I was about to say John. Yeah, by <laughs> Belmar. Belmar gives you all your stuff. Both Belmar's voice and Mr. Jolly's voice hurt my throat. All right. This will be, be interesting. Very. I uh, I check my stuff and I make sure it wasn't tampered with. Oh, it is not. No, no bat trackers like Batman. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nothing on the hilt of my sword or anything. No, no, no. Guess we got some time to kill. Crystal Palace. Time to kill. <laughs> you know what? I, w- I want to check something out. Sure. Um, because we still have a day or two, right? You have till tomorrow. Okay, I head over to uh, the palace. All right. When you get to the palace, there's this uh, iron bar gate in front of it, um, which you've recognized in front of the palace uh, for your present day, but it's closed, and you see a lot of uniformed men behind it. Hmm. And you see one guy. that he, he He's like a lizard, right? But he, uh, let me find, maybe I can find a picture here. It's like a tail, kind of almost like a snake-like tail. And he is constantly on fire. And he, uh, he is in a uniform that is not burning up for some reason. He's just chatting with uh, some of the other guards. And he has a spear. And he doesn't look so tough. And you said it's closed. It's not like it is in the future. Correct. It doesn't look like you just walk in. Could I try to identify him? His sure. species? Yeah, sure. Make a knowledge. Planes. Outsiders. 17. 17. Uh, 15. 15. Salamanders, which uh, is a snake-bodied humanoid, hisses with anger, spines of crackling flame dance along the creature's black and fiery red scales. Salamanders are native to the plane of fire. You would know this is the same uh, plane that hellhounds are from, despite the name hell. They're not from the plane of hell. They're from the plane of fire. Uh, where they are fierce warriors, much feared by other inhabitants of the plane, which is interesting. Not mm, Usually... People fear what's inside the fire plane. Fire plane don't fear each other, but things inside the fire plane fear salamanders. 
they like to exist in really, really hot temperatures, so it's surprising the salamander is out in the open. Another piece of information I'll give you is that salamanders are often conjured to the material plane, which is the, the plane you exist on, to serve as guardians, or more commonly, to craft weapons, armor, and other metalwork for their skill in these areas is legendary. Salamanders also infest areas of the material plane where the boundaries between this world and the plane of fire have more than thin, such as in and near volcanoes. How much of that is legend, how much of that is true, you're not sure. Now that I've, for the first time, used my knowledge planes, I'll never use it again. <laughs> but I'm glad it was useful for something. Unlike that stupid little thing I used last time. What? The, uh, not the color spray, but the, um... <laughs> the fairy fire. Fairy fire. One time it would have worked. Darn you, crane! But you see, things don't get directly next to it. You would, you would... It appears that it, it is generating heat that is hot itself, extending near a furnace. You want to get too close. Mm-hmm. Or near a campfire that's really large. You, there's a certain point you just can't get past that barrier. It's uncomfortable. Well, I guess we're not getting into the palace. Unless you want to wait for four months. What happens in four months? You put in a request, being a citizen of the Empire. Oh. And uh, after all the bureaucracy and the does he need to see this person, does he not need to see this person, and your paperwork being shuffled through four different departments, you get to see the Emperor in about four months. All right, um, since that's a no-go. You know what? I go to a uh, a weapon shop. Okay. Like a blacksmith? They don't sell guns here? No. Nope. I'm, I'm asking what you're looking for. You a looking gun. for a gunsmith? A musket. Oh, yeah, there's a gunsmith there. I go to the gunsmith. All right. He goes, how are you doing? He's a human. Good, how are you? I am uh, might be in the market for a, a musket. Looking for a musket, are you, huh? Yeah, I used to have one, but I uh, was damaged, and I've never gotten a chance to get a new one. Oh, well, you come to the right place. I make the bu- best muskets in town. I'll tell you that right now. So what, what do you got? The guy says to you... Um, um, I, I actually happen to have made this musket, and he takes a musket out of a display case. He goes, no one wants to buy it. Um, people around here are not big into guns. It's a new thing coming around. People are still kind of coming around to it. I'm from the south myself. Uh, we make this stuff. Oh, really? Where from? Where uh, about? Southern Islands. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, my, uh, my uncle, twice removed, owns a mine where we get some of the black powder that I use in my shop, and that's how I know it's the best. Which island? That's, where, that, that's where I'm from. You're from the Southern Islands. I am. Really? All I right. am. He starts talking local stuff with you that you understand. You're nice. like, oh, yeah, I, was, I, I had my, my first birthday there. Oh, I'm a quinceanera there. Um, he he uh, says, now, this rifle I made, and <laughs> stupidly, I made it without a bidder, right? I'm like, I'll, I'll eventually sell it, but nobody wants it because nobody can afford it. it. It's not that bad. It is. It's 3,800 gold, and it's a masterwork. Essentially, it's a plus one musket. And because it's masterwork, because it's made with such fine quality, you can get this enchanted. You can't get a normal musket enchanted. But this one, you absolutely can. Do it. Do I'm, it. I'm whispering in David's ear. Do it. Strike him down. All right, you've bought it. It's yours now. Yours to keep forever. Is there somewhere around here I can get it enchanted? Yes, there's actually a lot of very good enchanters in town. Uh, how much money do you have left, uh, David? 7,000. For 7,000, there might not be too many enchantments that you can get. Listen, I need your firearms purchaser card, and it takes at least one week from purchasing uh, <laughs> any firearm before you can actually get it delivered. Uh, he goes, uh, yeah, there's some places around you get enchanted. Okay. 
I ask him where one is. All right, he gives you one. Okay, I go over to it. Okay. You enter the shop, and you see a magician there, um, and you hear... And you black out. Of course. And as things come into view, you uh, you see you're in a room, and it's, a, it's not the biggest room, but it's got a desk right in the middle of it, and uh, and it's empty. And you hear something happening outside the door. There's only one door into this room. And the door um, is is almost like a... The best way to describe it is a blast door. A door made of metal. It looks very sturdy. And you hear a sound of clockwork as the door recedes into the ceiling. And Valerian is being escorted and he gets uh, you know pushed into the room essentially with uh, mana and, uh, and, and uh, a couple clockwork. And then the and you see uh, Duran there, and Valerian is, is is holding his side where he's bleeding, <laughs> and he's uh, and um, the door begins to close, and he says, "Duran, you find out who did this. You find out who did this." <sighs> it closes, and you you assume this must be some sort of a you know what do you call it a panic room or like that, and uh, and, and Valerian like. Uh, kicks a door and he's walking around angrily and, and Mana like kind of tries to grab his arm and he kind of, you know, uses his arm to push her away and then she grabs his arm like tight and he turns around and he's like heaving uh, whether through anger, through adrenaline through whatever and, and, and there's also a little cot in the side of the room and she tells him, lie down and, uh, and he listens to her and, and he lies down and she tries to, to, to get to his side and she can't and so she she has him turn over so she can undo his, his breastplate and she helps him take it off and, and peels up his shirt as we peeled because it's stuck with blood. And there's a big, there's a, there's a hole there from the um, sigh that got stabbed into his side. And she puts her hands around it, one on each side, and you see the wound bind up right there. And Mana looks at him and says, um, it's all right now. It's all right, guy. Calm down. It's okay. It's okay. She starts humming a song, and um, and she starts singing a song, and you see him like kind of like start to calm, almost magically. You get like a white in the middle, almost like a like an old film strip. At the end of the film strip, kind of white comes out from the center. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And then that recedes, and you're in the same room, but they're in different positions now. Here's some time has passed. And uh, and Valerian's at his desk, and he has like a map on there and stuff, and he's got all these papers on top of it, and and he's he's yelling through the door at what apparently is Duran, and, and Duran seems to be like giving a report, um, and, and Valerian says, "So let me get this right. <laughs> we the Senate is dead, the chief of the police is dead." And he starts, like, naming off all these people that, that have died. And he goes, and on top of that, the factory's been, one of the factories been destroyed. And Duran goes, um, about that, sir, uh, more information just came in. The factory that's been creating the clockwork dragons has also been attacked. Of course it has. What happened? Well, you see, there was a disturbance. A dragon was sighted a bit off the, a few miles away from the facility. So five dragons were dispatched to go take care of it. And when they got there, the dragon vanished. Uh, either it had teleported or some sort of illusion magic. However it happened, the dragon was 
very much all of a sudden on top of the factory, and the five clockwork, clockwork dra dragons were miles away. By the time they came back, the dragon leveled the facility. The clockwork factory, the uh, dragon factory is now out of commission. There is good news though. When the dragons got back, they did slay this dragon. Uh, my lord, it was a quite a different dragon. Uh, it was a green dragon, one of a very unique style. And Valerian slams his hand down on the table. Is that it? For now, my lord. Inform me the moment something else comes up. He looks upset, and and and, and, uh, and Mana looks almost even more upset. She's looking at Valerian. And, and, and Valerian looks up at her and realizes she's upset, and his face kind of relaxes, and he goes, um, Don't worry, Mana, this is not like it's the first attempt on my life. And they botched it pretty well. And he kind of gives a half-hearted smile, and she kind of like gives an even less <laughs> honest smile, um, almost an acknowledgement. Same kind of thing, things get white and get back. And Valerian's sitting at the table and he's going through all these papers and he's like, that's it. And he gets up and he starts pushing the desk uh, away. And Mana gets up and goes, what are you doing? Help me push this against the wall. And, and she helps him and through a little effort, they push it against the wall. And he opens up a drawer and pulls out some chalk and, uh, and some candles. And he draws a circle in the middle of the room. And uh, he starts putting these candles around the circle, almost like a pentagram. It's not a pentagram, but as you imagine, somebody would make uh, some sort of magical circle. And, and as Mana starts watching this, she starts piecing together what he's going to do, and she goes, Guy, no, don't do this. And he says, I'm going to find out who did this to us. Every moment we don't know could mean lives of people, Mana. Lives. She goes, no, no, you told me what it costs to do this. You said that every time you do this, years are taken off your life. Better years taken off of my life than others, Mana. And she goes, no, no, I won't let you do this. And she's like trying to pull at him. And he's just like, just by nature, how much smaller she is than him. He's just like almost struggling it off. And he draws it and he starts and he stands in the center and he puts his hands out and he closes his eyes. And she's shaking him saying, no, no, don't do this. Don't do this. You don't have to do this. And she's shaking him. You guys kind of like almost go into Valerian's head, and you can hear what he's hearing. eyes Joel open and you see they're glowing and they fade and he has a look of anger on his face I'd and, imagine so and then you're and every time there's a thump things like get red and we'll see like veins in the walls and on Valerian and I want to and you're and your eyes open and you're on the ground and you can't breathe Neither you can breathe, and you and you try to exhale, try to e inhale, try to exhale, and then as you exhale, whoosh, out comes a clot of blood, and you can breathe again. It was blocking your airway, and you are um, you're you're in a cot, and you're in a room with all sorts of trinkets on the walls, but you're not sure where you are. 
There's no one else in the room with you except each other. Is our gear there? Uh, you do a brief look around and you don't see anything. Your stuff. I check. I check myself real quick. Anything that was on you is still on you. Yeah. Sword and Kukri, Okay. Uh, both take a negative level. I was afraid you're gonna say that. Uh, I get up and I I heave my breath real quick. Oh boy, a very acrid taste of blood in your mouth. Get a look at my surroundings, the room, just to. There's trinkets on the walls and different um, common objects that. Why would they be on the walls? Who would hang a pair of scissors? But they are. And, and uh, some weapons and stuff and some scrolls. Is there a door? There is a door. I walk over to it. Okay. And I open the door. Uh, you see someone's behind a counter and he turns around and it's the magician whose shop you had just been in. And he goes, Oh my goodness, you're awake. What happened? You just started falling on the floor and convulsing. What, what day is it? What time is it? How long ago? Uh, it, it's been a couple hours. I, I I give a sigh of relief. He goes, I, I, I had clerics here, and, and they didn't know what to do. They are supposed to come back in a couple hours to take you to the hospital. Thank you for your help, sir. They should, they should be here any minute. Are you okay? Yeah, it's, uh, we both suffer from a, uh, a fit every once in a while that acts up. My goodness. My, my, my apologies. Oh, don't apologize. I'm glad, I'm glad you're okay. And, and he walks in, and he goes, uh, Sir, and he looks at you, David. He goes, Are you okay? I'm okay. Uh, thank you for your help. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, can, can I do anything for you? Get you a ride? Or, oh. or do you, you want to go to the hospital? Uh, I think They're we'll supposed be okay. to be here. I don't know why they haven't come, but I can, I can take you. No, no, it's, it's really okay. I would have taken you before, but I heard you shouldn't move people when they're having a seizure. So I, I didn't. I mean, I, I moved you to the bed, but then I stopped, you know? I actually, man, I'm TH. Uh, hi. Pleasure. What kind of shop do you run? Magic shop. I sell stuff, but don't worry about selling stuff now. You guys, you guys need to take care of that. Like I said, it it it's an old it's an old wound. It acts up every once in a while. You should see an apothecary. Maybe they can help you out. I'm I sure look you around. Have. Never mind. Do I see my stuff? Uh, no. Uh, if I may ask, where's where's my bag? I'll have your bags right over here, underneath the counter. And he pulls out you both your bags. Oh, thank you. I, I was afraid someone might have absconded with it. No, no, no. Here it is. Kept it safe. Thank you, sir. No problem. I mean, well, it was a little bit of a problem. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I take the bag and kind of just start heading out. He goes like this, kind of like it just goes. No problem. I uh, I drop fifteen. For those of you, in the, and, <laughs> for those of you who can't see our ugly mugs, he itches your nose, his nose and then rubs his thumb and forefinger together. Itches his nose again, rubs his thumb, forefinger again. I uh, I drop fifteen gold pieces on the counter. Oh, you don't have to do that. Takes it, puts it in his pocket. Uh, no, it's really, it's, it's our pleasure. Thank well, you for your oh, kindness. My pleasure. Oh, no problem. Good day. Have a good day. And uh, sorry, what is your name again? Uh, screw you, dumb. You can just call me S U D. Uh, S U D. My name's Suds. <laughs> Suds. <laughs> pleasure to meet you, Mr. Suds. Have a good day. Great. And as we walk out of the store, out of earshot, I look at David. Remind me in twenty years to burn this place to the ground. <laughs> he uh he closes he sees he's closed door he like puts his thing to closed it's night most shops are closed it looks like squirrel there's always something open but the stores that house. close at night cl are closing I look at David what do you want to do let's go back to the hotel we can't have another episode in public in public agreed and we do so all right you go back to the hotel I'm a level seven again I haven't been this level since I was Thaddeus the thing is tomorrow anyway right mm -hmm. that's what he said. All right, let's uh, get some rest. 
You're welcome back to your hotel. It's nice. It's nice to see a, a moon. It's kind of it's on it's uh, it's after a full moon. It's starting to go back too, but it's very close to when it was a full moon, which is nice to see. You won't won't pretty much ever see that again. Uh, let's get back to the hotel. I'm exhausted, and we have a long day tomorrow. Okay, we go back to the hotel. All right, you get back to the hotel. There you are. You're gonna go to sleep. I like shut the door, lock it, put a chair in front of the <laughs> knob, flip the mattress in front of it. Then I use stone shield in front of the doorway. That only lasts a couple seconds, right? I like prop my arm up with the gun pointing at the door. <laughs> and we sleep. Alright, you sleep. You recover how many hit points you would normally get minus the negative levels you have. Good morning! Good morning, gentlemen. You're awake. The door is just as you left it. Um, I look at David. Is there anything you have to do today? Besides yeah. get crash that piece of paper. Yeah. I want to get out of here. Let's talk about how that's going to happen. Do we just go after it at the exchange, or do you want to try to... I do have invisibility, so I could hide invisible near where they're going to be walking by with it, and, and then I, I, can, I can jump in and grab it. I say we both go for it. It doesn't matter which one of us makes it. Okay. I can blink for it, too. So as soon as it's See. out of the case, just go after it. Agreed. got to do. Because hopefully as soon as we touch it, we're gone, so even if we start a war shouldn't matter as long as we get it agreed okay yeah we had to we, i eat something and then we head over to the okay. and i uh, i get a mask i i look in the market for a small like cheap mask to okay. wear. sure what does it look like just like a metal one of those uh what's it called have you ever seen man in the iron mask no but i can look it up yeah i'm sure our listeners will know yeah Literally yeah, just, an iron mask. Yeah, an iron mask, two holes, and a, just a mouth piece. All right. But not iron, of course, and not wrapping around my head with a lock in the back. All right, all right. Hey, Andrew, you want to play some D&D tonight? No, I, I can't. You're not real. None of this is real. Real, 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 real. Mental divergence can be a tricky situation, but we here at Tales from the Lich can be your hand in the infinite darkness. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com So you guys go to the house, Mr. Jolly's house, right? We do so. And uh, and the guy lets you, uh, you see that you, you're arriving with a lot of other people, and you feel very out of place because you have not arrived in a very nice carriage like everyone else has. And you you see that you uh, have the right idea, Dom or Thorn. Everyone who is getting out of their carriages, who is a who's who, has a mask on, while their servants do not. I put on my Rokusaki mask. Okay, uh, and it seems anonymity is king here. They're all presenting their invitations. Belmar is not at the front door. Um. And, uh, and and John is there, and he's taking invitations and letting people in, and, and he seems to be doing something to each of the invitations. And you come up, and he takes them, and he examines, does something, and says, says some whispers some words and makes a little motion, which you would, as a magic user, recognizes he's casting some sort of spell. He lets you in? Thank you, sir. Welcome, gentlemen. Right up those stairs, into the main room. Please make yourselves comfortable. Our d'oeuvres are being served and you will be addressed at the appropriate time. Thank you. Okay, we go up. And I nod my head and I walk on through. Okay. I do the MacGruber entrance. What's the MacGruber entrance? <laughs> you never saw the movie MacGruber? Nope. Do you know that's our live sketch? Nope. 
Well, in it, they're making fun of MacGyver. Uh-huh. Except his name is MacGruber. Uh-huh. And there's a part where he's supposed to be going to a party, like, undercover, because the bad guy, it's the bad guy's party, and the bad guy knows who he is. Uh-huh. And, like, the colonel that's in charge of him is like, I don't think you should go, and they're going to recognize you, and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to be like, you know, he gives him this whole speech, like, I'll be like a shadow, I'll be like the wind, they'll never know who's there, and then it shows, like, the front door of the party, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and he pulls up in a car, like, right in front, jumps out of the car, and he's in, like, an all-white right suit like as like as bright as could be as a, and there's like a doorman checking a list <laughs> and he just walks right by the doorman like doesn't he even like, look at him but as he's walking by him he just holds out his middle finger like this <laughs> to the guy's face and walks right by. very nice <laughs> look that scene up if you ever get a chance it's hilarious all right so i do an entrance like that okay <laughs> um he has a copy i've never <laughs> You get into the room and there's people uh, not super schmoozing occasionally, but most people seem to be keeping to themselves. Um, perhaps talking strategy. Who knows what they're talking about, but there's hors d'oeuvres being served. The glass guy would, like, fall ground, come back up, and serve an hors d'oeuvre and fall back to ground. And the hors d'oeuvres don't fall off his plate when he falls for some reason. Or her. I'm sorry. Wilma. Wilma forms next to you and says, picking a blanket. It is a hot dog, and you're like, ugh. <laughs> Ugh, this is low class. I want some scallops wrapped in bacon or something. Come on, guys. I'll take a pick and a bang. You see, it, you see, he's wearing sneakers, very new sneakers, and he goes, "Would you like some Kool Aid?" Sure. You drink it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the face. And then I proceed to shove my hands into his yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah. But they hand you some hors d'oeuvres if you take them. I take a, I take a pig and a blanket. Okay, all right. A single pig and a blanket. Dave, I just ate, so no, I don't eat. Okay. I don't eat. All right. After a bit of time, you hear, Hello, everyone. I'm so happy you've all arrived. I'm very happy you've all arrived. With your money, of course. I'm very interested in having your money. I can't wait to see whose money I take. And how much of it. We're all aware of the minimum bid, yes. Of course you are. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. If you all would please prepare yourselves, that'll be taking us to the location, as, of course, we previously discussed. All right, ta-ta now for now. I'll see you there. Hold on. And you all are teleported. You've been teleported so many times, you are used to the feeling. And all of a sudden, you are being kind of rocked back and forth as you are inside of a boat. And you can hear a turbulent storm outside. Almost like nor'easter hurricane level it is really being rough and uh and you are in a room and there's a big glass pane in front of you and in and through that glass pane is a big circular room and in the center is uh these bars up into a pillar and a pedestal on top of that pedestal is a case and through this clear case you see the page of the black book and you see all uh, there's other windows on the other side on other parts of the wall in that big circular room where you imagine there's other bidders, but you can't see into them. They're like tinted almost. Mm, you can okay. see into the room. All right. And we can't we can't enter it, correct? It doesn't appear so. It's not there's no en- par- entrance from where you are. And you see that there's there's a mirror on uh, right next to the um, the book. Okay. I look for a way to. Uh... It doesn't look like there's any kind of door into that room anywhere. No, it doesn't appear so. I was asking, is there just a piece of glass between us? Between you and that big circle room? Yeah, room. This piece of glass. I, uh, 
just very <laughs> not hard, but I, I kind of put my hand. Oh, I wasn't clear. Before you say anything, everyone's equipment was confiscated, including yours. When you're there, you see both of your backpacks in the corner of the room. In the room that we're in? Yeah. Okay, I grab my stuff. Your weapons, everything is there. I put everything on. And I just kind of I put my hand on the glass mm -hmm. and just give it a quick tap. And I'm just tapping. You know, like you ever touch like thick, yeah, yeah. bulletproof glass that has like a dead feel to it. It doesn't right. have like a window feel. Right, right. Just to see what it feels. Right, right. It has that dead feel. So it's like thick bulletproof kind of feel to it? just doesn't feel like a window. does not feel like a plate glass window. Alright. feels much, much more sturdy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Anything else? I get my, my, I have my blink ring, kind of like Lord ready. of the Ring style. I'm like... So we're, we're ready to go. I'm preparing a blink spell as well. Just in case everybody understands, glass between you and this big circular room. And in the, circular, in the center of the circus room is a dais with a, with a pillar of bars so that you can see through the bars, but you can't get through them. And in there is, out of arm's reach, is uh, another uh, pedestal. Top of that pedestal is the page cased in glass. Okay. And next to that glass is a mirror, a full-size body mirror. Okay. All right? So mm -hmm. the uh, after a bit, um, you see light dims inside your room, and light kind of goes up inside the center room. And out of the mirror, another mirror that's outside of those bars, uh, Milma steps out. And she says, welcome everyone. We have here, and she pulls out an envelope. A big, like, almost like that manila envelope I had there. A big manila envelope kind of sort of thing. It obviously has a lot of documents into it. And she goes, we have here the verification from everyone's private, chosen by you. And she's like circling, like, turns around 360 as she talks, looking at the windows. Uh, verification of the identity of this item to indeed confirm that it is a page from the black book. You have all been presented with copies, and of course you will have these, the original, after you, if you have successfully won the bid. If everyone is satisfied, in front of you is a green lever and a red lever. If you are satisfied, please pull the green lever. And if anyone pulls a red lever, we will address that. I pull the green lever. You see other where there's like tinted glass turns into a green tint of glass. Yours doesn't seem to change, but you're looking at it from the inside. Mm -hmm. And they all change, except for one changes to red. Wilma says, please bear with us for a moment. And she walks into the mirror. Remember, she looks like Silver Surfer kind of person. And some time goes by. You guys talk to each other while time goes by? No. No. Hey. I look at David, I go to open my mouth, he's like, no. Uh, she comes back out of the mirror, and she goes, It is our disappointment that one bidder has dropped out of the bid, but everyone else is good to go, and we will now start the bidding at one million gold pieces. Do I have a person to kick us off? Yeah, way out of our... How do you bid? You see, uh, a light turns, uh, a mirror turns green. Mm. And, she, and you see, like, big numbers above each glass. And she goes, number four with one million dollar uh, gold pieces. And as you imagine an auction would go, an auction goes. And it goes on. And this lasts for, like, an hour. It's kind of slow. The increments aren't very large all the time. Every once in a while, it was a big jump. I bid every once in a while a small increment just to so that I threw in a bid. 
Right, right, right. The bidding continues. We don't want to. I'm not trying to win. Right, right. The bidding continues. And then eventually, uh, the final price that it ends at is at four million some odd hundred thousands dollars. Gosh. Uh, gold pieces, I should say. And, and it goes for a bit, and, and the tension kind of drops as it is. We have a winner. Number seven. Successfully won. You may now step forward. For the rest of you, you will be returned momentarily to the cottage where we have vehicles waiting to return you to your houses. Thank you all for participating. Um, it has been a delight and a pleasure. And Mr. Jolly sends all his regards as a thank you. And as a personal thank you to each of you, he has, you will find a brand new horse attached to each of your cottages. And we thank you very much for coming. And it's been a pleasure. And the glass dissolves in front of number seven. And out walks a man, and, 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 and uh, next to him is a girl. And they're both wearing white suits. It's a girl and a man in white suits. And the masks they have are of, like, birds. White birds. A lot of white going on. And uh, they come forward, and the glass person walks into the glass. Uh, first off, hands off the documents over. Walks into the mirror, walks out of the mirror next to the thing. Pulls out a key and unlocks where you see she sticks it into the glass. It doesn't look there's a keyhole. How's it going in? Just magically does in some way. And the glass dissolves around the page. She takes uh, two tongs and puts it into an envelope. Seals it, puts that envelope into another envelope. I look at David. Like, when are we going? Well, she's behind the bar still, right? Yep. Now I put on my blink ring and say, wait till she comes out from the bars. And she walks through the mirror. And she comes out of the mirror next to it. She's out of the bars? Yep. As soon as she's out of the bars, I try to blink through. It's me as well. Okay, it's a, I think it's a 50% chance. Uh, 51 and above, you fail. 1 through 50, you succeed. I succeed. Can you roll for me, David? You succeed. Cool. Uh, you both get through the bars. And she kind of jolts her head to the left. And, uh, and so do the two people in white. I exclaim, federal agents. <laughs> I am an just so you know, I know you want to set the scene. I know you want to set the scene, Caleb. But just yeah. so you know, what I'm doing is when I blink through, I just beeline. Right. And so the way we do this fairly is everybody's gonna roll initiative to see who gets to act in what order. Nine. Nineteen. Okay. You see, uh, Wilma kind of looks at you, and she and she uh, puts her hand on the mirror, and it looks like she's about to go into the mirror. But you get to go first. What do you do? I ignite my nightmare boots uh-huh which is concealment yeah and basically what that's going to do is it makes them uh it gives them a 20 percent miss of anything they would do to try to stop okay me. what kind of action is that do you know free actions uh, swift action please be free or standard swift. not standard we don't want standard we no, don't want to do it's move actually action. part of my running so it's part of your move okay cool it's a swift action cool cool all right you still have a standard in a, in a move they are, I guess I have to do feet, 45 feet away from you. So I can make it one move action, right? No, move action's 30 feet, unless you have some sort of movement. He's running, isn't he? He can run to, He can run at it? You can, really, be full round action. Yeah, you could run and get to it. At the end of your turn, you'd be next to it, adjacent to it. So you can do a charge, where at the end of your charge you attack. I'll let you charge and then roll to touch it. All right, I'll do that. Okay, so uh, just um, roll a touch attack. Yeah, before you roll it, let me tell you the number. So uh, the number you're going to try to get is 
see. She's trying to get into it. I'm gonna make it Wait, a 20. I don't see a melee touch. I just see touch. Your weapon. Oh, I see it. You need to okay. get a 20. I need to get a 20? Yep. Oh my gosh. You can do it, man. Come on. I got exactly a 20. <laughs> well, there goes the interesting thing that was gonna happen. Except GM intervention, David get a hero point. As you go to touch it, she goes into the mirror and she comes out behind the bars with the thing. Now, uh, the next person's turn is that Thorin. I, uh, I, scream, uh, I scream out, uh, federal agents, back up against the wall. <laughs> and I, I joke run was out. even funnier at the second. Wait, so I succeeded what you said and you still took it away from me? Yep, that's the whole GM intervention thing. Oh, man. But you got a hero point. Um, you can force any roll to re -roll, be re-rolled, and it'll be for your benefit. You can take the better or make your opponent take the worse. So she's, stu she's stuck behind the bars. She has nowhere to go. She's behind the bars. She obviously can transport through mirrors, and there's a mirror next to her. She can. Is there only one mirror in the behind the bars thing? One mirror behind the bars, and then the mirror that she obviously just went through that's outside of the bars. I, I run up next to David, and I'm, I, I do yell to people, core, not, core, not federal agents, core hall police. <laughs> that, I, and I yell back up against the wall now. A bluff. 16. Uh, 16? Yeah. The guy, uh, the girl raises up her hands and says, uh, uh, this is ridiculous. This is, this has all been done legally, but they do both put their hands up and back up. They follow your instructions, but are verbally, uh, disagreeing. Okay. And so I, I look at, uh, Wilhelma behind the mirror. Behind the bars. Uh -huh. And I ran, so I'm out of stuff to do. Okay, so uh, it'd be their turns, but because you ordered them to do something and you did good in your bluff roll, they're going to use their turns to back up and go against the wall with their hands up uh, and say those things that they said, bringing it uh, back to David's turn. I'm going to try to blink through the bars with my move. All right. Roll a d100. 51 or above, you fail. I fail. I'll use my hero point. You hit with your... Oh, okay. <laughs> That's quick. You re-roll. Take the better result. Nah, I failed twice. Oh, no! You hit your head on the bars. Kink! Oh! I... I but wait, still, I, still, I still have a standard. You still have a standard. I... Can you reach through the bars and take it? No, it's beyond arm's reach, right? <sighs> you can make... You can turn a standard into a move. But it would only get you next to it. You can't touch it. Or try to touch it. No, you know what? I shoot at the mirror. Alright, roll an attack. The thing, yeah, the one inside the bars. Okay. Actually, I guess it doesn't matter which one I attack. If if I break the one inside the bars, thirty. Oh, ho, 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 ho. yeah, you hit it. Don't bother roll damage. It shatters. She kind of like, she kind of uh, Wilma kind of jerks her head as it happens. That's your turn up, uh, Thorin. Uh, and and they demand an answer from you. What's going on here? Get uh, the paper. I, I look at the paper. That paper's stolen property. And I and I uh, blink. I try to blink. Show us your badges. I'm ignoring them at this point. I try to blink past the bars. Okay, roll D100. 51 above, you fail. 45. Hey, you blink through and you're right next to her. And you have a standard action left. Touch and it. I, I, I rip my hand up and I put it on the paper. Melee. Touch attack. Gotta hit a 20. Yes! 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 He's just gonna take it away from you. So as I take it away from you, no, all right, you touch it, and it uh, uh, words come off the paper and turn into a, a boneless limb. Goes through your chest like it did the other two times. Hits David right in the shoulder and. You vanish, 
and everything's white and swirling all around you. And you feel like you're going to throw up like you're in a merry-go-round, but it's not going well. And, and, and you that, feel like you never put your hand on those like there's a bunch of little metal pins and it like keeps the shape of whatever you push into it. People push their hands into it. Yeah. yeah. Right, it feels like that, but on your brain. That's like being pushed on your brain. It's a it's a vision much like the others. You see before you the Colosseum. The seats are filled. The Emperor is up in his box. And on the floor of the Colosseum, where the fighting usually is, are caskets upon caskets. After a time of silence of people viewing the caskets, people walking through the lanes, dropping flowers. After a time of that, after, after the sorrow has filled the air, you see Valerian sitting in his chair, just looking down, staring off into space, as if there was some world or secret in the floor. He just is staring at it. And then he looks up. He stands up and he goes to the balcony. And every eye turns to him. This is unexpected. No one seemed to be ready for the emperor to speak. But speak he does. Today was supposed to be a day. Of celebration. Today we were together and I was to tell you something that has never been heard in the history of the Empire. That we are finally in a time of peace. The orcs have been destroyed. We have claimed victory over them. <laughs> this war that started with the founding of this great nation is finally over. We have won. But this day of celebration was robbed from us. From a people that chose to strike from the shadows rather than stand in the light. History has shown that evil loves darkness and that good enjoys the light. These, these murderers killed civilians, men of government who never even fought a battle in their life. They made an attempt on my life. You see, you see, these people, our way of life is, is so anathema to them. That they must destroy it. They can't just coexist with us as we have done for years. <laughs> but they fail to realize something. You cannot defeat the Empire by killing its leaders. We're not like them. They follow one man. His will is their will. If he's an evil man, they are an evil nation. Then, at the rising of the sun, if that man is dead, the world for them can change. 
with a new leader, their goals change. It could be the direct opposite of what they have been striving for for years. Why? Because they let one man rule them. They listen to the words of one man as if he was a god. But not us. Here, there is no god, no kings, only man. They could have succeeded. They could have killed me, but it would have meant nothing. The Empire is more than a man, or more than a group of men. The Empire is its people. Kill its Emperor and it will elect a new one from the people, representing their ideals. Kill the Senate and a new one will rise up in a week, full of new men, men with the same values. Men who are dedicated to a united world of peace and of hope. And they refuse this world. They come to us and they say, War! War! They whispered in the streets. They want war? We'll give it to them. And we'll make them wish they never had it. Some of you want us to negotiate and end this war before it goes any further. I know there are people like this. (laughs) My wife is chief among them. But you must understand that we cannot negotiate and treaty our way out of this war. Not with this enemy. You see, this enemy attacked during peacetime. If you were to negotiate peace, it would simply put us exactly the same place we were before when they attacked. The circumstances wouldn't have changed. The only way to end this kind of threat is to give them what they desire. Give them this this war. But we will make war so bad for them. We will make them regret their decision. (laughs) We will make war so bad for them. We will beat them so badly that they will come to us begging for peace. And then, then we will give it to them. Then the circumstances will have changed. Then they will know that they are beatable and that we cannot be beaten. It's true that our factories have been sabotaged, destroyed, and made unusable. (laughs) These people think it will save them, but it will not. They forget that the Empire was fighting wars long before the clockwork were around. The Empire has been at war since day one of its founding. And it was men who spilled blood for this war. You, good people, Stand up if you've served in the military, if you've spilt your blood on the battlefields. Half of the crowd stands up. If your brother has served, your father, your sons, if they have served and you've sacrificed for them, with them gone, thinking, how can I maintain my life? How can I keep open the businesses that bring us our daily bread. If you've made those sacrifices, if your children, fathers, and brothers have made the ultimate sacrifice, stand! Almost the rest of the entire Coliseum stands. We know war, and we know how to fight it. We're very good at war. There has not been a war we have lost. And we have won wars with less than we have now. This world has come closer and closer together. Look among you. Look how many people here sit as citizens of this great nation. How many of you, while not citizens, have called this place your home? It is now the place where you live and love. 
Look around you. How many different species has finally gathered together under the same banner? Giants, elves, humans, cat folk. All of us together standing as one. Why? Why can we accomplish this and this other nation not? Because we have put destiny into our own hands. We have seized our lives and our futures. That is something this nation that fights us does not have. Our might together as one, we will squash this pathetic army that stands against us. They want war. Then so be it. We will give them a war they will never forget. That the generations of those that survive our brutal onslaught will never stop talking about the great mistake their forefathers made. So many people have kings that everyone must bow down to, that everyone must love, wish forever that they live. Let it not be heard anywhere in this empire. Long live Valerian. For all men must die. But what will not die is this people. This nation will live forever because this empire is its people. So I say, long live the people, long live the empire. They robbed us of our peace. Let's take it back. And you're now taken, uh, it's dark outside. Very dark. Except there's all these campfires and torches lit. And you see they're in like a little valley or almost like a little bowl. And at the crest of a hill standing Valerian with his army at his side and at his back. And he's looking down and all the people at the campfires and holding the torches don't have uh, any armor on. Or, or don't have any weapons. They have armor on but no weapons. And they're all orcs. And there's some, you see there's a good number of orcs. And Valerian says, You are beaten. And you fought with honor. Even after you, you've reached the point where you could no longer win, you fought and you bled and you died with honor rather than be prisoners. I respect that. And it's because I respect that that I'm going to make you an offer. One final last hurrah. Two options. You can either go to the gallows, and he points over and there's been gallows set up and there's a bunch of executioners there. Or you can go do what your heart wants to do most. You can go to war. And he points in the opposite direction. And he makes a motion and a bunch of uh, soldiers, the Empire, come forward and they dump all these weapons into piles. And he goes, take up arms and march north. There is a kingdom you will find there. Kill them all for all I care. Do what you want. Any of you that survive, I give the land to you. And with this promise that the Empire will leave you and this newfound land of yours alone for 100 years. So, noble orcs would choose you. And he puts a straw, pops a strawberry into his mouth. The orcs kind of look at each other. And one walks over picks up a sword 
and then the others do. And they pick up war drums and they start beating them. And you see they start moving north. And then a very high-pitched ring that hurts you. Oh, the pain. And you find yourself standing. Not a vision. You're standing in a similarly dark place. With similar light from just the moon in the sky and the stars. Broken moon? No. And a crest moon. And at your feet is sand. And there's a cat that kind of... Two cats that kind of push against your feet. And you have all your stuff. Take five negative levels. Five? Five. And you look look around you, and it's very hot, very arid. You're in some sort of desert of some kind. David, you and only you recognize where you are because you look, and in the distance, lit up by great big um, basins, great big uh, basins of fire, are pyramids. Thorn, one of the cats, gets stiff. And falls to the ground. And you feel chill in the back of your neck. Both of you do. Then you hear screaming. From some woman somewhere. And then. To your right. A door bursts open. These these, these buildings are kind of made of, of, of brick. As you'd imagine in Egyptian culture. Mm-hmm. And a woman is holding a girl. And she falls on her knee. And she's weeping bitterly. You can hear another scream out from somewhere. Another scream out. You're in the middle of some town, and there's screaming happening. And David, in front of you, next to that, uh, across the street from that building, there's a more shoddily made one, right? Uh, it looks lower class. And you see, across the doorframe and on the sides of the doorframe, blood. Blood. Scarlet colors. Unrelated question. Are either of you the oldest in your family? I am. No. You are? I am the firstborn. You're dead. What do you guys do? I wipe away the blood from my nose. <laughs> you feel like a brick is on your head, inside your brain. Me or both of us? Both of you. Like your brain's struggling to handle everything that's happening to it. I look at David, what is this place? <laughs> at this point, I kind of, I just sit. I kind of like collapse down, you know? Like yeah. sit. And I look at Thorn and I'm just like, it can't be. What? Where are we? I think we're in my world. Your world? Is this what it looks like? This is what my world looks like 3,000 years ago. I look around. And then I I take out uh, my Bible, and uh, I open it. I guess that's Exodus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find the verse about the the blood on the doors and, like, all that stuff, and I just point to it, and then I just, like, hand him the book. David, as you, as you, before you can even do this, you open it up. That passage about the blood on the door frames comes to life and jumps out of the page like the words did on on the black book page and go onto your chest and burn and burn and you, you rip open your shirt and you now have seared on your chest that verse. So I guess Tharn can see it. Yep. <laughs> so he gets the idea. Then they take some blood and put it on the sides of the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That is the verse that is on his chest. Sweet. I, I go, uh, I say, uh, if you're the firstborn, get inside that house. And I kind of fall back. Fall back? What do you mean? On my back. I lay back. I sprawl back. Okay. What do you do, Thorn? I, I walk forward. 
Okay. And I knock on the door. You hear like some words and then shush, shush, shush. somebody's hushing somebody inside the room, the building. Then I, I, I slowly knock on the door like I can hear you. Nothing happens. I, is there a knob? Yeah. I twist. I gotta twist it. Probably not like one of those rings. No. It would be like a latch, if anything. Fine, it's a latch. I, I go to lift the latch. Okay. Opens. Yep. And uh, I enter into the room. All right. You see, it's uh, pretty much like one big room. In the center is a, a table, and on it is a lamb. And you can kind of smell it, and it would smell pretty good, except for the fact that you smell something kind of not good. And you can see it's because the lamb has been cooked whole. All the innards and things are still in it. And very strangely, none of the bones on the lamb are broken. Strange you break bones when you cook things. But all of that is irrelevant to the fact that you see uh, three people, a man, a wife, and a young boy. And they're all at the table. And, and each of them has their robe they have tucked into their belt. And the man has a staff holding the staff. And they're all eating. But they all look like they're about to not eat. Like they're about to go in any second. But they're not. They're there and they're eating. And a lot of this lamb has been eaten. More than you would think somebody would eat a lamb. Like, why are you eating this part of the lamb? Mm-hmm. And they all just kind of stare at you, and the boy says something that you don't understand. And David, this was the word I was trying to get you to help me pronounce. Oh, okay. And and then the guy you know, hushes his child and looks to you and says something to you in a language you don't understand. I, I, I shake my head and I, I point to my ear. Okay, let's go back to David. David, what are you doing? I kind of gather my self mm-hmm. and uh, get to my feet and... I don't know if I have to roll perception. I, I, want, I look, I really look around at my surroundings. Mm-hmm. And where am I? I'm in, I'm in like a neighborhood? Yeah, it looks like you're, you're in a neighborhood, yeah. Okay, I kind of stumble over to the, to the door that right. Arn went into. Still left a little bit ajar. And you look and there's the blood of the lamb on the top and scarlet color, deep red, left and right. Ah, I know what I do. Hold on. I drink my potion of tongues. Okay. So that I can I speak have. Hebrew to them. And uh, I start to talk just to like see if they are reacting as understanding. They look at you and, and the man of the household says, Why have you come out of the safety of your home? Uh, and the not- boy keeps pointing to Thorin and he keeps saying, The destroyer, the destroyer. And, and, the, and, and the mother's trying to get the boy to stop talking. Um, I say... Um, I'm not from this land, but I'm a follower of the one God, and I seek refuge in your home. He points to the lamb and says, eat. We have to eat all of it. Are you firstborn? No. No. <laughs> you don't need to push in tongues for that one. Um, and he goes, do you know this man? And he, and he looks over at Thorin. Um, yes. If he is firstborn, he wishes to spare it. He must sit and eat. Eat, Tharn. I, I unstrap my sword and I lean it against the corner. Okay. And I sit down at the table and I begin to eat. You see, like, his sandals are on his feet and all that, and there's bread in front of you. And it doesn't look risen, and when you eat it, it's very bland. Almost and, like uh, completely devoid of salt. I, I put my hand on the guy, the father's shoulder. Mm-hmm. He looks, as you touch him, he looks very wary. He's serious. I, I tell him, don't fear. By the end of this day, you will be free. How do you know this, alien? Because our God wills it. He says, the I Am has provided through his servant Moses instructions. 
We must be ready to go, and we must eat the lamb. Have you heard the instructions? Yes. Everything goes white, and you find yourself on your hands and knees back at the place you left in front of the old archives, except the archives are gone. Back in Antioch. Uh, and I roll over and I grip my stomach and I make a grass angel. <laughs> you guys get your levels back. You have no more negative levels. What do you guys do? I look at David. What the heck just happened? You just heard him talking in a weird language. <laughs> you had no clue what was being said. Uh, I got half of what I wanted. I was back in my world for a second, just at the wrong time. Should have been more specific. <laughs> hey, listen, the man in white just said, don't come back at the time that you were taken. He didn't say forward or back. 3,000 years. Yeah, so yeah, I read the scripture. They called the angel of death the destroyer. Gotcha. I kind of I take out my Bible and I bookmark it to Exodus. Yeah. And I give it to Thorne and I'm just like, read it when you get a chance. And you'll know where we were. I take it and I put it in my bag. Let's get back to, let's get back to the palace. Oh, I check my chest. Is it still burned? Yes, the verse is singed onto your chest. Where I'm from, people pay a lot of money for this. <laughs> we hobble back to the uh, castle. Okay, takes a little bit. Uh, when you get to the Lost Woods, and the Guardian, you know, appears. And if you guys remember what the Guardian looks like, it's essentially the form of a person. But oh, wait, we... and there's there's no page. It's not with us. No. The Guardian is kind of made of refuse, not like garbage, but of refuse that you find in the woods. Leaves, acorns, things floating, and they kind of swirl around into the shape, the vague shape of a bipedal humanoid. Mulchy stuff. Yeah, and the, and, um, the shape says, uh, who enters the Orokusaki's Grandmaster? We thought you dead! How long have we been hear, gone? And you hear the sound that the trees make when they open up the passage. passageway opens up for you how long i look at the guardian how long have we been gone three weeks I, my sword kind of just drops from my hand we're too late we head through i pick up my sword and i follow quickly uh you go and then uh and you see the castle and there it is being guarded and as you come up to it you hear somebody say halt who goes there stand aside master thorn yeah i don't even break stride Grandmaster, and like as you go, he, like you go by as he by figures him. it out. I, I, as I, I push him by the chest, and I push him to the side as okay. we walk by him. You go in, and, and wherever we go, people's like mouths are dropped, and uh, and you go into you're in the castle. Where do you go? The council I, chambers. Yeah, I go to like that war room where we always met with right, the council. Right, right. Okay, and you go in there, and uh, and as you would suspect, there uh, the council is meeting right now, and there t and you hear like you can hear like. Voices through the big double doors that lead inside the room, and kagoosh, you open up the doors, and all heads turn to you, and it grows silent. And then you hear one person go, Orokusaki, he lives! Did you have any doubt? And they seem shocked. You started the attacks. Yeah, and they kind of look around, and Sidonis goes, Yes, we did. And they were successful, all but one. Even so, we wounded you that man. You didn't kill the Emperor. No, but we wounded him. We showed him that he is bleeds like the rest of us. And they all kind of like, yes, you're here. 
he's now sent an army of orcs to our door. Well, we knew he would retail. Orcs? He's aligned with the orcs that he defeated. That's un unlikely. Where, where did you hear this, Grandmaster? He's aligned with the orcs that he's defeated. <laughs> that may be one of my favorite reactions ever. <laughs> hey, Sidonis, you're relieved. You may go now. <laughs> Find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> we no longer need your services. And he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he shuts his mouth. Sheba, the panther, says, uh, we will make preparations. We knew they would retaliate. Because they are weak right now. You see, they must hire mercenaries to tempt fight us. Without their clockwork, they are crippled. And they all are like, here, here. They seem excited by that. Has and, there uh, been any culmination of the Suko incident? Suko incident. The Suko problem. Uh, she has yet to make contact with us. We, she has also not moved against us. We are hoping that eventually she will align with us. Is lightning nearby? Everyone's quiet and they kind of look at each other. And and then El Mero, one of the trees, he gets up and goes, Grandmaster, I have news for you. He's dead. You are correct. At least as dead as you were, he has been missing. As has Zeratul, along with his entire archives. We do not know where they have gone, but we have presumed them dead well now we've struck from the shadows which is our advantage but now it's going to be open warfare are we prepared for that uh here's the donuts go let them come <laughs> they can send their orcs i'd rather fight orcs than clockwork anyway they bleed then prepare because they're already on the way uh and you and they all kind of like seem like they want to say something, but no one's saying it. And out from the corner comes Rothred. Remember who he is? He's a very ancient tree. And he goes, Grandmaster, we have prepared our defenses. We have prepared for war. We have no need of this command. So be it. Uh... Then Tharn and I need to rest. We've had a long journey. Just tell, send it through the ranks and prepare for orcs. Mm, yes. So say the Oroku Sakis. I, I whisper in David's ear, with your permission, I'd like to... Wait, did he say so say the Oroku Sakis? He did. Who's the Oroku Sakis? They all look at Rothred. In your absence, I have taken up the mantle. It has been I who have led the Lin Kuei in your absence. After your rest, we must talk. You may sleep. In my room. Any gestures to your office? All right, I go. I say, uh, come wake me soon, and we'll talk. Yes, Oroku Saki. And I go. All right. 
You go to your room. I think it's a perfect place to end off. Trailblazers is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. Your players have been David and Dom, and Caleb has been your GM. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. We can kill it. Now why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then leave. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Kick his ass, sea bass.